and I'll have you turn to Romans 8. We're going to be in Romans 8 again. And for those of you who are visitors, um, we typically uh, have been spending our, our weeks going through Romans 8 verse by verse. So we're going to dive in and, and get into God's word, but let's first have a word of prayer. Amen. Father God, we come before you and we want to acknowledge that we need your spirit. We need your grace, Lord, that no one will behold you unless our eyes are open to see your beauty and your majesty and your wonder and your goodness and your favor. Lord, we we gather because we need to hear from you. We gather because we need the divine miracle of your spirit working on our hearts to produce heart affections for the living God. That, that we ask that you would produce in us the kind of healing and surgery that only the great physician can give. We ask that you would work in ways that you, you come into our brokenness and you come into our struggles and you come in to sometimes our dullness of spirit and you wake us up and you encourage us and you strengthen us. And, and, and we have an opportunity, Father, now to hear from your word. And I pray, Father, that you would help me to move out of the way and that your spirit would minister to us through Romans 8 once again, and that we would get great help and great encouragement as the people of God. And Lord, that you would minister to us where we're at and that we would know we have a great help in the Holy Spirit, whom we invite now to come and breathe upon us and speak to us in this moment as we hear from the very divinely inspired word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So after 20 years of being a Christian, there's one thing that I've learned as I've observed my own life and the walks of other fellow believers, and that's the reality that all Christians struggle in their prayer lives. All of us struggle at some point in prayer. And all of us sometimes feel a low-grade guilt, like why do we not pray more? And feel sometimes a little bit discouraged because we don't know what to pray for. Oftentimes we get into situations and there's many different things we could pray for. Should I be healed and or should I pray for God's strength to actually sustain me in the midst of suffering? Should I take this job or should I not take this job? And we struggle with the reality of prayer. And every one of us feels that at some level. And we're going to be walking into Romans 8 where we're going to get some help because Romans 8 is just very realistic about Christians living in a fallen world and struggling with real weaknesses, real human frailty, real limitations on our knowledge and our understanding where we don't know oftentimes what to pray for because we have a finite perspective. And there are a myriad of options. 
And so we can feel stunted and sometimes discouraged. And we hear the exhortation of Paul to pray without ceasing in one of his other letters. And we're just like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I have that many words. And yet we're being invited in in Romans 8 to a great encouragement and great help in the midst of real life where you guys live it, where I live it, where we're living out life. And sometimes you just don't know what to do next. Sometimes you just are at the end of your rope with struggle. Sometimes you're at the end of your rope with discouragement. And maybe you feel all alone in that weakness. Maybe you're a mom who's just exhausted from the labor of seeking to care for your children and you feel so exhausted and so depleted and you, you're, you're wanting resources and you're wanting help and you don't even know how to articulate that in prayer. Or you're a father or a grandfather and you've just been working and you've been working and working and tirelessly so and you just feel kind of at the end of your tether. You've got nothing left to give when you get home sometimes because you're so spent. And so you can find yourself struggling in prayer when no rest seems to be coming. Or when you're in the schoolyard and things begin to go wrong and difficulties happen and you don't know what to pray. You don't, you don't know where the help's coming from. You feel inside like something's just a struggle. How do you get help? And the world of Romans 8, once again, is going to rise up in that. It's going to rise up in your real struggles where you're living every day. And it's going to give you some hope and help because Paul is after our hearts. He's after our hearts. And God, the Spirit, is after our hearts to draw us into prayer. To draw us into the world of living as Christians who depend on God. Who in the power of the Spirit come through the, the, the cross work of Jesus, our Savior, to the Father and we plead for help. And God's going to give us great help in this text. So I want you to look. Romans 8. Verses 26 and 27. We'll, we'll kind of bounce off of 28 maybe at the end if we have some time. But two verses full of hope for struggling Christians in their prayer life. Likewise, Paul says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who who are called according to his purpose. So much hope 
packed in a few verses. And Romans 8, 28 is going to get its own sermon all on its own. But you can't look at these two verses that talk about the help we get from God in our prayer lives without understanding that this is the God who works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You have to, you have to see that in the background as you read this passage. So we're going to look at a couple things here and, and just get some help afresh for the reality of just living life daily in this world as believers and longing to pray more and to pray better and to pray with encouragement and not despondency. So the first thing we see is the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the first thing you see is this, this word likewise. And it's like Paul is trying to give you some, some, some pointers and indicators that likewise is referring to something he previously said. So you've got to see these verses in the context of what he has previously said. And last week we talked about the hope that we get as Christians as we groan in this world, as we groan in our fallen, frail bodies in a world that is fallen and corrupted, that is crying out for redemption, as we hope for the day when God's going to make all things new, we get help from that hope. And the last two weeks were all about that kind of hope that helps. And this likewise is saying in the same way, in the same way, God has given you another helper. He's given you the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, he's given you more help. And he wants you to take great hope in the fact that there's another helper who comes alongside us. And, and, and we've been blessed as we think about the kind of help that the Spirit brings to us. Because the Spirit is helping us see like future glory as awesome as it is is only something that we long for with great promise because God has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. And this same Spirit is at work in us to help us know we've got a help coming alongside us in the midst of struggle and discouragement. Verse 25 reminds us, right? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Well, how do you wait for it? Because you have a helper in the Holy Spirit who comes alongside you in weakness. He comes alongside you in difficulty. He comes alongside you in the struggles. He comes alongside you in parenting. He comes alongside you at work. And he comes alongside you when you're all alone and you feel like your suffering is just too much to bear, the Spirit is with you if you're a believer. 
And so this verse is reminding us that the Spirit is going to help us in our weakness. That's a promise of God. That's a promise to you. As Christians, the Spirit will help you. And that word help has this idea of like the Spirit of God is going to step into the yoke with you. Now, we're not as familiar with it, this term yoke, but it's the idea that you have, you know, a wagon being pulled and two oxen, and there's a yoke that goes over their shoulders, and they are pulling the wagon behind them. And without one of the oxen there, it's going to be slow going and rough. But the yoke is something that somebody can enter in and, and pull up that other end of the burden. And that's the same word that's being used in Greek to remind us the Spirit comes alongside and picks you up. He joins with you in the midst of your human frailty and weakness. You're not alone, brothers and sisters. You, you've got God with you. You've got the Spirit on you. You have the Spirit inside you. You have the Spirit reminding you that He will pick you up and help you and bear the load. But what way does He help us? Like, how does the Spirit actually help us? And the text says it's at the point of our very weakness. It's at the point of weakness. So another way that that text we read earlier about Paul talking about the thorns in the flesh, and he prays, and he's praying for the thorn to go away. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power rests on you in your weakness. And then Paul's like, I'm just going to boast in my weakness then that the power of Christ may rest on me. Why? Because he's gotten this principle that the Spirit of God and the work of Christ and the power of Christ rests on us in our frailty, in our weakness, as we rely on God and acknowledge that. And it is the hardest thing sometimes for us to do because we want to do it ourselves. We want to we muscle it over. We want to keep pounding at that same thing. It's not working, but we're going to keep pounding. And we've forgotten that there is a helper that comes alongside. He comes up into the yoke with you. And he helps you in the point of your weakness and limitations and lack of understanding. And even when you groan and suffer as fallen people in a fallen world, even though the deposit of the Spirit is inside of you, and you've been justified, you've been saved, and you've got a foretaste of all the glory. You've got a foretaste of the goodness, like God is reminding you every day as the Spirit is interacting with you. You are a blood-bought child of God who's beloved of God, whom God sent His down payment and surety to dwell inside of you to remind you that He will help you in your weakness. And He will help you in your difficulties. So if we're struggling today, if we've come in here and we're, we're, we're needing some deep, deep help, the Spirit of God comes alongside us to help us. And this isn't simplistic because the Spirit knows what we need. 
And we're going to look at that later. The Spirit knows, but you, you, you need to take courage that the Spirit of God is in your life if you're a believer. And Romans 8 could be an encyclopedia of all the ways that the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. Because it's not just these two, two verses. The Holy Spirit's mentioned 20 times in Romans 8. 20 times. I mean, that should tell us alone that the Spirit of God is important for the Christian life. And the Spirit of God is important to give us assurance as believers as we wrestle with things in a fallen world. Verse 2 reminds us of the ministry of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit has, the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So one of the first ministries of the Spirit to you as a believer is you've been justified and now you're set free from bondage. The Spirit is liberating you from the bondage of sin and the tyranny of the law and now giving you the ability to walk in the ways of God and verse 4 reminds us that we're not to walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the Spirit's in your life to help you live for God. And so one of the great things we can pray is, oh, Lord, may your Spirit empower me. Holy Spirit, empower me. Empower my life. Empower this, the ministry. Empower my parenting. Empower my struggle on the farm. Empower me in the midst of hopelessness. Because the Spirit is at work in us to do the very thing that God has called us to do. And He's made us alive in Christ so that we can walk with Christ. Verse 9 reminds us of something that we sometimes just, we, we, we kind of read and we don't marvel at the beauty of it. But verse 9 reminds us that the Spirit actually indwells us as believers. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells you. That means God indwells you. That means God's Spirit indwells you. That means that, that the mark of a true child of God is that the Spirit is showing up in your life. Look at it in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh. You're not still in bondage to sin and the, the, the slavery that it brings, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to Him. But if you belong to him, you've got the spirit and you've got all of the power and all of the resources that the spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity that was sent by the father into your life that caused you to be born again to a living hope as you believe the gospel and sealed you unto the day of redemption. And is the very guarantee, verse 11 says that you'll be raised up from the dead. And we spent all last week talking about like the Spirit gives you hope that one day groaning will give way to glory. That's who's inside of you. And that same Spirit helps you to make war on sin. Verses 12 and 13. That same Spirit reminds you you're a child of God. Verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
And maybe you're feeling far and distant from the Lord today, and you're a believer, and you just feel distant, you feel frosty, you feel like there's barriers. Verse 15 should be a great hope for you because the Spirit of God at work in the life of the Christian is meant to bring about intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The birth of your prayer life happened when the spirit of God came into you, made you God's child, and then began to cultivate a cry in your heart that you affectionately come to God as your father. Just marvel at that. These are all helps that the Spirit brings into your life. Is it any wonder that this great hope is coming from Romans 8, which is like the Mount Everest of hope in all of Scripture? It's because God just wants to stack hope upon hope upon hope upon hope because He knows that we live in a horribly fallen world where life does not go peachy all the time. And whether we're 80 years old in the room or we're 13, 14, 15, we need these hope. We need these helps from the Spirit manifest in our lives. And that's what this text is meant to remind us. That's why there's the indicator pointing us back to all the marvelous truths about the work of the Spirit in your life. Likewise, verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In the ways that the Spirit has been helping you all along, He also helps us in our weakness. And He helps us in this peculiar thing called prayer. He helps us in this weakness of not really knowing what to do with prayer and not really knowing what to pray for and not really feeling confident before God. So God, it's His idea to send God to be inside of you so God can encourage you to talk to God. That's the Trinity at work in the Christian. That's the triune nature of God. The Father sends the Son into the world to die on a cross to redeem a people unto Himself and raise up out of the grave. And the Spirit is sent into the world by the Father and the Son to save you, to open your eyes, and lives in you to help you live the Christian life. This is God's idea. To meet you in the moment of weakness and the need to pray. How many of us in here have just been in a crossroads? And you didn't even know what to pray for. You didn't even think there was a way forward. And the Spirit began to work in your life. Verse 26 gives us that reason why the Spirit comes. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. That's the struggle. That's the human predicament. That's the predicament for the Christian. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes. So the Spirit begins to work 
When our limitations have hit a wall, the Spirit takes over. God just wants to break over you with all kinds of encouragement with this text. Because deep down we struggle on our knees. We struggle to stay on our knees. And we want to muscle through it all on our own. And God wants us to get great encouragement from the Spirit of God inside of us. Sometimes the, the Spirit has been referred to as the forgotten member of the Trinity. We don't talk about the Spirit. We don't, we don't want to, we just, a little bit ethereal to us. And we look at the Spirit like the Spirit is not a person. And we start to think of the Spirit like Casper the Friendly Ghost or the Force on, you know, Return of the Jedi or some of the Star Wars movies. And that's not the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. And no Christian prayer is even possible to get off the ground apart from the Spirit's work in our life. So that's what point number two is going to show us. We've seen that the Spirit has to come help us in our weakness. But now we're going to see what that help looks like. It looks like intercession. It looks like the Spirit of God interceding for us. And you see it right there in verse 26 again. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When the words run out and all you have is suffering and all you have is pain, the Spirit activates in those moments and helps you. And He is never a loss for words and the right thing to pray for you. He always knows what to say. And He brings it before the Father. And do you, what, what intercession is, what, what the Spirit is doing when He intercedes, is He's standing in the gap. He's going to bat for you. He's, he's standing between you and the Father and bringing what you need to the Father so that the Father says yes. He's an advocate. And He's praying for your good. Just think about how, how, how mysterious and strange and marvelous it is that God sent His Spirit into your life so that the Spirit could talk to the Father about what you need. That's the kind of God you have. That's the kind of God we serve. The God who cares enough to get it done for you. Even when you don't know what to say. That's, that encourages me to pray. And we see through the Bible this idea of intercession, right? Moses stands in the gap. He prays for the people of Israel. The people of Israel are breaking God's commandments. They're living in sin. They're, they're complaining about no, you know, no food or no water in the wilderness. God's dropping manna out of heaven and, and giving them water from rocks. And, 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 and Moses has to stand in the gap and intercede and plead with the Father on their behalf. That's what the Spirit is doing for you, except he's doing it perfectly. He doesn't ever get a note wrong. He doesn't ever have no language to bring to the Father on your behalf. 
Brothers and sisters, that is an awesome encouragement to a despairing Christian, and especially a Christian despairing over prayer. Paul knew what this looked like because it was writ large over his life. Praying for a thorn to be gone. And God's like, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because the Spirit's been praying for you all along. You need this. You need this thorn. It's serving my purposes so that Christ's power would rest in your life. Maybe some of the difficulties in your life are there for the very reason so the power of God can manifest in your life as you endure through it like nobody else can because you're a believer and God's hands on you, carrying you, helping you, encouraging you through the hardest things. And the world looks on and goes, what is that? It's a divine miracle in the life of an individual who's given his heart to the Lord. And then they're salt and light. They're a city on a hill. And the potential of, 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 of 50 lights going out from this place that are just getting the intercession of the Spirit in their life and God's working with that kind of activity. That's what's happening in this church. There's firepower in this church because the Spirit is in each Christian working. Intercession. And that's an amazing reality. That's an encouragement for us. And if that was just it, that would be enough for me. That would be, that would be plenty. But there's so much more. There's so much more because we see in the Gospels that Jesus, as the God-man, prays to the Father. We, hear, we see here the Spirit's pleading, but also in Romans 8, do you know who else is interceding on our behalf? The Lord Jesus Christ is before the throne of God in heaven interceding for us. That's what verse 34 is talking about in Romans 8. Who is to condemn? Paul says, Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and who is interceding for us. So you've got Jesus interceding in the court of heaven for you. And then you have the Holy Spirit interceding in the court of your heart, or in the theater of your heart, as one person said. He's bringing the prayer request to God on your behalf. You've got a dual intercessor, intercessory tag team going on. The Spirit and the Son speak to the Father on your behalf. That'll encourage you on some Wednesday nights as you're praying. That'll encourage you as you get on your knees and come before the Father. Because we know we need the help of God. Well, how does the Spirit intercede? What, is the, what does this look like in the text? Well, verse 26 says, the Spirit is interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. Or a better translation would be wordless groanings. Speechless groanings. They're not audible. There's groanings that are wordless that the Spirit is bringing on our behalf. 
And that's coming up to the Father like an aroma of intercessory prayer and getting things done in your life for your good. And there is a little bit of ambiguity in this passage and people have wrestled with, is it the Spirit's groaning or is it our groaning or is it the Spirit taking our groanings and bringing those groanings before the Father and translating them into a perfect prayer that we actually need? Well, perhaps it is both. Perhaps what's happening is that the Spirit is so intimately involved in your life that He, he senses the, the groaning. He senses the weakness. He senses the struggle. And He takes that and brings it to the Father in a, a perfect prayer language that gets done what you need to have done. And so whenever you get a no in prayer, please know it has the Spirit's signature on it. Perhaps you're to persist in praying, but the timing of the Lord is perfect. And as you persist in prayer, you may get it 10 years from now or you may never get it, but the Spirit is going to guarantee you get what you need in any given moment. And that's encouraging. And is it any wonder that we're talking about groaning? We spent two weeks talking about the groanings of creation and the groanings of the Christian. And now the Spirit's getting involved and in taking that on our behalf to the Father. Now, sometimes this can kind of be a little bit seem theoretical to us, but let me try to give you a picture of it. And this is probably the, the way it was driven home to me most powerfully. About 10 years ago, um, when my wife was in labor, and I mentioned last week, it was 23 hours. And after 23 hours of deep labor with almost a 10-pound baby in Isaiah, and he wasn't coming out, and he didn't want to come out, and no amount of help was getting him out. And so after... My wife is exhausted. The doctor comes in and tells us he's positioned in such a way it's just not going to happen. We're going to have to go in and do a C-section and bring the baby out and it'll be in an emergency C-section. So we donned our hospital garb and I'm mentally trying to prepare and I'm seeking to encourage my wife and then we get separated into two different rooms and she's being prepped for a major surgery and I felt like you would feel if somebody you loved was going into a major surgery and you were not prepared for that. And so I just remember like praying and breathing prayers and pretty soon the, 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 the intensity of the moment, I was just asking God to help, asking God for peace. And then we get into the labor room and the surgery is going on and, and the doctor's doing everything as it seems like it should be. And pretty soon, Isaiah's brought out. And just for a few seconds, it seemed like time stood still. And then my wife began to scream and writhe in pain. And the doctors began to scramble to try to get her medication sort of suited, anesthesia, whatever it was, they're trying to figure it out. And she continues to scream and continues to contort and continues to cry about her abdomen. And, and I'm trying to 
you know, so many emotions are flooding through my mind. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with her. I've got my son over here, like on the side, and, and, and there's just so much emotion, and I don't know what to pray. And I know, I, I mean, obviously, I want to pray for her healing, but I just start groaning. 15 minutes of that, 30 minutes of that, 45 minutes of that, no relief in sight. And pretty soon, they move us to a different room, and I am just on pins and needles. Just, I don't even know how to talk to God anymore. And the Spirit is moving all along. The Spirit is intercessing all along. The Spirit hears my groanings. The Spirit hears my wife's groanings. The Spirit hears my wife's pleadings. The Spirit is doing something. There's activity happening. Before the throne of God, things are happening beyond our imagining. Now, obviously, she's okay. And we'll get to kind of how this story closes, but I just want to give you an idea, like a whiff of what this looks like when the Spirit is working wordless groanings on your behalf when you don't know what to pray. And as one writer put it, it's like the Spirit is fixing our prayers on the way up. So the Spirit helps us in prayer. The Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. And finally, the Spirit Always praise God's will for us. Look at it there in verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Unlike us, the Holy Spirit knows perfectly what to say, and everything is in accord with the divine will. I mean, you can't ask for a better prayer partner. Sometimes you might ask somebody to pray for you and you're hoping that they get, get it right, right? You're hoping, I hope this is encouraging. Well, when you got a divine prayer partner, that's the best kind. And that's who the Spirit is. The Spirit is never limited. And the Spirit knows everything. And the Father knows everything. So when you got them talking, it gets done. Perfect will of God is accomplished. And you can see why Romans 8.28 is on the heels of these two verses, right? And God works all things together for good. For who? For those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I wonder why. Because the Spirit's working in your life. That's how everything can work to good. Like... Cancer is not good, but God can work it for good in your life. The struggling situations that you have in parenting or in, in, in marriages or in just your physical ailments, they're not good, but God can work them to, for good when the Spirit begins to pray for you over those very things. As you groan and the wordless groanings go out. That's encouraging to me because that means that whenever I pray, God's taking the feeble attempt, the limited attempt, 
the, the, the nearsighted attempt or the farsighted attempt and translating that through the Spirit's intercession to accomplish God's perfect will in my life. And I don't know a better medicine for struggling Christians in the battle to pray than that. And I expect it now in Romans 8. I expect these kind of mountaintop truths. And Romans 8 is like, you got to think of it as a mountain with many peaks. This is just one of them. And there's so much more help to get. God is sending His best prayer warrior to advocate for you. That's what this text is saying. And notice verse 27 says, God knows us, and the Father searches the hearts. He's the one who searches the hearts. And He knows what the mind of the Spirit is. That's how you know it's the Father. It's the one who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So God knows you intimately. He knows you personally. He, he knows you truly. The Holy Spirit is working in your life in a personal way. And the Father is working in your life in a personal way. He, he knows where you're at. He knows your struggles. He knows if you're hiding sin. He knows if you're living in the dark. And if you're a Christian, the Spirit is in your life to bring you to an awareness of that and to lead you to repentance. That's the kind of all-seeing Father and all-knowing Spirit that are united in this thing called prayer on your behalf. They see it all. First Chronicles 28.9 says, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Proverbs eleven or uh, Proverbs fifteen eleven says, Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men? So this searching, seeking, knowing God is giving us exactly what we need at every moment. So that Romans 8.28 comes true in your life. And you feel like, does he even hear me? Does he even know what's going on? Does he even care? Absolutely. A thousand times yes. It says so right here in the Bible. To you, God breathed. Spirit inspired. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Did you see that qualifier? For the saints. And that's just a word that means Christians, for believers, for the people of God. The Spirit is doing that kind of intercession for the people of God, not for an unbeliever. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, none of these promises are yours, but they can be. They can be if you come to your senses, if you see your sin and you see your need for Christ and you turn from that, trust in Jesus who died on a cross to save sinners and rose from the dead to give hope beyond the grave and that He can rescue you and all these promises will be breaking over your life. But this is a promise distinctly for believers. The intercession of God's own 
Spirit inside of you. So I was in the hospital room and I was thinking the worst at that moment because I've got my baby son in my arms and I'm so overjoyed at that and I'm terrified on one level that my wife's not going to make it through this because the doctors are fighting, the nurses look scared, they're looking at the monitors and they look a little bit like things are not going well and I can hear things are not going well and you can only take so much of seeing your wife in pain and in struggle and just wanting to do something but you can't. You're rocking your baby boy, you want to do something and all you can do is just groan. And I had asked a few times if I could come see Clarissa, and they said, no, just hold off. And finally, after an hour, the doctor came up to me and just said, you can come see her. And they took Isaiah, and I came, knelt down beside Clarissa, and immediately she writhed in pain, and just kind of for a moment comes to and says, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me, please? And just screams that with deep, deep groaning in her soul. And I barely knew what to do. And I'm a pastor. Because you just come to that place. And I began to groan and pray and groan and pray. And the Spirit of God began to do something in that room. Pretty soon... The nurses who were fighting and the doctors who were fighting are crying. And the spirit begins to move. And between the time that the prayer started and the groaning started and the spirit's activity before the throne of heaven, God began to heal Clarissa of her pain. And there was not a dry eye in the room because God was at work in ways that I could never have imagined. The doctor ran out of the room crying and weeping. And later we would find out that the Lord was up to something that we had no idea about. Because our doctor lost her husband and son in a tragic accident in Hawaii. And she had lost all hope. She was so discouraged. She was a professing believer, but she just was deeply embittered, deeply discouraged, obviously. And something happened in the room because God did a work. And I wasn't praying for that. The Spirit of God was at work before the throne of heaven doing something. And bringing encouragement. Not only did my wife experience healing from the pain, but this woman and this doctor who became dear friends and a nurse were just touched by the Spirit of the Lord. Because when the people of God groan and the Spirit's at work, things happen before the throne of grace. Things we cannot explain. And that is true for every single Christian in this room. 
That's just one story. There's countless stories, and sometimes we don't even know. We don't know all the answers. There's 10,000 answers going on before the court of heaven because of the Spirit's work in your life. The Spirit helps you in weakness. The Spirit intercedes for you in difficulties. And the Spirit prays the perfect will of God into your life and does a thousand things more. And maybe you don't have that assurance today. Maybe you don't have Christ today. You don't know any of that. And you have not sensed all things working for good in your life because they're not. But you may be a believer in here and things don't look that way. But God is up to something glorious. But you could be outside of Christ. And today you're longing deep in your heart for something to change. You've been in darkness. You're needing forgiveness of sins. You're needing God's wrath to be absorbed. And that's what Jesus came to do when he went to a cross. He took the wrath of God on Himself. And anybody who believes on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Shall experience the forgiveness of God and the friendship of God and the Spirit of God in their life. And maybe today the Spirit's working in your heart in that way. And I would encourage you to acknowledge your weakness, your sin, and your rebellion and turn to God. Running, knowing Jesus is a mighty Savior who came to seek and save that which is lost. And if you're a believer in here and you've just been beat up by life, this is glorious news for you. And just revel in it. Enjoy it. Remind yourself of it. And start hiking up the mountain of Romans 8 and get to every peak, every vista, and just look at the glories of God at work in your life and in the lives of others. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this text. It's hard to do justice to a text so grand and so beautiful and so impactful in our lives, but we need the help of God, and we need the Spirit of God to do that work. I just pray we're, wherever we're at today, Lord, would You work in the heart. And as we sing this song in close, that we'd be warmed by these truths, that we'd be brought to a deeper fellowship with you, Father, through the Son, because of the Spirit's work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.